Welcome back. You're listening to season three of Bestowing the Brush podcast. I'm your host, Dallas Noctegall. As a celebration and kickoff to the new season and a new school year, my guest today is the prolific and personable Jack Laws. We have a motivating conversation about nature journaling, how to fight that uncharitable gremlin in your head, and we geek out about the concept of having a growth mindset. If you've always wanted to form a nature journaling habit, this episode is for you. But hey, before we get into that, I have important things to discuss with you first. First of all, it's currently fall of 2021, which marks my fourth year doing this wonderful project called Bestowing the Brush. So in order to celebrate this milestone and to help you kick off your school year creatively, I want to offer you listeners a discount code for 10% off any of my courses, single courses of the beginner or intermediate work, the bundle, and that includes both of those courses, the beginner and intermediate, or the group licenses too. The offer is good this week and this week only, and it will expire on midnight of September 14th, 2021. Two quick disclaimers, before purchasing the group courses, please read who is eligible and what the conditions are for purchasing a group license and read that within the product description there on Gumroad. Okay, you ready? Here it is. B-T-B, four years. All one word, that's B-T-B, four years. Just use any of the links in this podcast description for whichever course you want, and then plunk that code down into the checkout, and you'll receive your 10% off. Tell your friends, especially those who've been considering my material as well, because discounts here do not come around very often. And lastly, if you have my intermediate course, Brush, Chalk, and Charcoal, Framing Your World, you'll be wanting a couple picture planes for you and your students and sales for that are finally open. I did a beta run of 100 last month, so I bet you some of you already out there have some. Um, And so that was just for newsletter people. They sold out within nine hours. So thank you everyone. Very, very thankful for you. That second course, Framing Your World, uses the picture plane very frequently. I talk through five lessons and demonstrate how to use it as a visual tool. I cannot wait for you and your students to try it. It just might change how you see everything around you. Find that plexiglass picture plane product in the podcast description, but oh yeah, the second disclaimer I didn't ever say up there was that the 10% off code will not work for that product, this plexiglass product, because it is a physical product that we have to ship. So that BTB four years code will work for every other product, any of the digital products, which products, which are the video courses there on my Gumroad page. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jack. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. I am very excited today, you guys, because I have an awesome guest on the line. My guest teaches nature stewardship through science, education, and art. He also hosts the Nature Journal Connection on YouTube, 
and has written and illustrated three resources on nature journaling, and he does so much more for that community. If you haven't guessed it already, I have Jack Laws here with me on the show today. Welcome, Jack. Thank you for being here. Dallas, thank you so much. This is going to be really fun. I've been looking forward to having a chance of sitting down and talking about journaling with you for some time now. Wonderful. We we are so thankful for all the work that you have done, for all the resources that you have published, and just the way that you are so active in the community and so passionate. Um, I want people here listening to go to johnmirlaws.com because he's got so many books. He's got so many videos. He has even some um, sketching things that he he uh, sells through his website. And I actually got recently his new palette that he puts together. And I love it. I love it so much. So please check that out if you're a homeschool family, if you are in other area of education, you will not regret it. So we wanted to just jump into our topic today, which is obviously nature journaling. And we kind of spoke before Jack about like people's biggest barriers to notebooking and journaling. You have that pesky inner critic. Um, you have uh, maybe a habit of laziness or just prioritization problems. But what do you think is the biggest barrier to people that want to learn this and to do this in their homes and in their lives? Well, I think you've mentioned a bunch of the, the critical ones. Uh, that There's that inner critic who just stands up and tells you you're not good enough and who do you think you're you're kidding here you know you're not worthy of of doing this somebody else has a journal and it's prettier than you yours and and so what do you think you're doing here looking at this bird with a journal in your hand and that voice can completely shut us down when we kind of if it turns into so an, an art contest and we're just comparing ourselves with other people we miss the whole point of it. The point of nature journaling is to give ourselves a tool that is going to help us just slow down and be in a deeper communion with nature, to be present at a deeper level. And the journal does that in spades. But if we start to look at it as making an art portfolio, then it's scary to even put the pencil down on that piece of paper because what if it's not perfect? What if I make a mistake? And then it becomes more about how does the journal look than what have I noticed in nature today? But so I constantly tell people you, you, you have to let that inner critic go. Be willing to have a journal that's not pretty pictures, but make lots of pictures. And through that practice, you'll develop the skill of drawing better and better and better with every brushstroke, with every pencil line. Your brain is reinforcing your hand-eye coordination and your brain's way of thinking visually. You just have to put in some pencil miles and it will absolutely come. And you also mentioned one of the other critical things is that every moment in your day is already full so if you start thinking to yourself, well, I should also be doing nature journaling. Hmm. Okay. Where are we going to fit that in? The day yesterday, um, from beginning to end, you were, you were completely busy. So where are we going to put this? And so 
finding ways of working it into your routines, of prioritizing it in ways that, uh, that don't cut out a lot of your, the other things that really kind of give you breath. Finding some strategies to help you do that is really important. So for instance, if you have, if you have a, a cup of, of tea as you sit by the window in the morning, you just have a little bit of quiet time by that little table. Well, what if there's a journal on that table and you know, this day you're going to be looking at the, out the window at the white-throated sparrow, and the next day you've brought a little lemon and you've cut it in half to put some in your tea, and you kind of get lost in the geometry inside the lemon. That could be a way of doing it. Or if you have a routine of going for a hike with a friend, what if those also become journaling outings? And you make, together you make just a little bit of time for breaking out your journal, a little bit at first until you both get addicted to it. Um, but you can you can fit these activities in with things that are all you're already part of your routines. And that helps that really helps a lot in letting it be something that you do on a regular basis. If you're a homeschool parent, how can I work this into my my science lessons or our nature study? How can I work this into the routines that we already have so I don't feel this pressure of there's something else that I should be doing, but it becomes something that takes what you're already doing and brings it to the next level. Absolutely. You brought up such great points there. And I like how you, you also encourage people to start where they are, that you don't need to have reached a certain level of artistic ability at all. You can start right where you are today. That's, that's, Absolutely true, Dallas. A lot of people have this 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 image of that if like an, an artist is somebody who has this gift that they can do this art thing, and if you don't have that gift, then who are you who are you fooling? You you don't have a place at the table. But art's just a skill that you develop by putting in more pencil miles. So just start putting in your pencil miles. Whatever you do is good. If, if the marks that you put down on a page, irrespective of how they look, if they helped you notice something that you otherwise wouldn't have seen, or remember it more vividly, or got you to slow down to the point that you started to kind of come up with, with questions that you otherwise would not have asked, then that journal page is successful. And... You don't have to, it, it's, yeah, you got to get away from that idea that it's all about the journal. The journal is just the tool for being present in this world, noticing more and thinking more richly about it. And um, it's, it's, it's not a product. It's not something that is at all exclusive. It's a, it's a very universal tool that can be accessible to all of us. And the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at the skills that allow your observations and ideas to dance with you on the page. I think that's so encouraging. I think that idea of remembering the goal, that the goal isn't art at the end of this, that the goal is what can you find out about nature? So maybe even just sitting there for a minute and bringing that to mind before you begin probably could 
help relax you and relieve your tension a little bit about however you feel about going into it. That's very true. And one really powerful way of harnessing that is through your curiosity. If when you're looking at something, part of my routine is I'm making observations, but and, but then I also say to myself, you know, what can I wonder about this? What do I, what do I not know about this? And so I'll intentionally start asking myself questions about it. And if I can get myself to be authentically curious about it, that curiosity is going to suck you into the experience. And it's going to be so much more fun um, doing it when you're curious. So you don't, um, and you don't even have to wait for curiosity to come to you. Like you don't have to wait till you go like, oh my gosh, this is really weird. Because you can pick up any object um, and you say like, oh my gosh, this is really weird. And then you say, what's really weird about it? And you start looking at it like, can I find something about this? that starts to kind of pique my curiosity. Why is it like that? How did that form? What is, what's the deal with this? And once you get onto a mystery, looking at the thing is so much more fun. And that's, that's also going to really pull you into that experience. Totally. And I love your, your nature journal connection uh, videos, how you really go into those questions that you ask yourself um, what to notice, what it reminds you of, and what's the third one? I'm not remembering. I, I, my sort of nature journaling mantra is I notice, yes. I wonder it reminds me of. So the I noticed is all about your observations. What can you observe, smell, see, taste? How does it feel? All of your observations, we get those down in the journal using our words and our pictures and our numbers. And then... I'm also deliberately asking myself questions. You can use the who, what, where, when, how, and why prompts if you want to. Those are those are useful for getting you to start to think in different directions. You know, you, you're picking, you're you're holding a little acorn in your hand, and you start thinking, you know, when, 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 when will this sprout? Right? When did this fall off the tree? How long does it take for them to grow an acorn? Um, how long till to go from acorn to a tree that can produce its own acorns? So you just it it the when prompt would then prompt me to start thinking about time. Um, so again, the I notice is part one. I wonder is part two, and the third little piece of it um, is it reminds me of, and the role of it reminds me of is to get yourself to think more creatively about whatever it is that is in front of you. And so if I'm looking, there's the acorn again. Um, it, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of squirrels. It reminds me of, a, of, of, of old drawings of what a rocket ship would look like. It um, reminds me of a bullet. It reminds me of whatever comes to your head. It reminds me of a dreidel, right? Whatever comes to your mind, play with those connections. Um, that's how you practice creativity. So my, 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 my working definition, by the way, for creativity, I think this is actually a very useful way of thinking about creativity. Creativity is your ability to make useful connections between seemingly unrelated things. 
So useful connections between seemingly unrelated things. So I practice that anytime I'm looking at that object in nature. I say, what does this remind me of? And I'm out there trying to intentionally link it in odd and interesting ways to other stuff within my experience. I love that. Creativity is your ability to make useful relationships. Yep. Useful connections between seemingly useful connections. unrelated things. And I love that. And you get better at it with practice. The more that I do it, the more I can look at something and now my brain can start riffing. Oh, it reminds me of this, that, and the other thing, and this, 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 and this. And sometimes those connections are just sort of um, uh, playful and fanciful. You know, it reminds me of Jabba the Hutt's tail. And you know, <laughs> and there, there, there you go. And, and other times it sort of, you know, it reminds me of um it reminds me of the dorsal view of a, a of a nudibranch you know and i might be thinking like well why is that when you have these it reminds me of you can also kind of go deeper with them how is it like that why is it like that how is it different um and that this thinking by analogy is a really powerful way to push and pull your brain in interesting and useful directions. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's absolutely no room in there for any kind of perfectionism. That That's all curiosity, it sounds like. That's, you're not tapping into your ego at all. You are, you're there. To, it's a learning posture is what I'm getting. Yeah, that's, that's the space that I try to inhabit. That's right. Um, and but even for me, that 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 ego and wanting to make the pretty picture and that little gremlin who goes like, "This isn't good enough. Who are you fooling?" You know, you know like <laughs> or like you know, you got to make that look pretty. Like I'll hear those voices come up, and I'll just. But I, I, I have to constantly be vigilant with it because I know that when I start to feed that little beastie, it just takes more and more and more and there's there's no satisfying it and so i have to sort of stop and say oh i'm sorry maybe you didn't understand what i'm doing i'm nature journaling over here right this is about <laughs> observation this is about curiosity this is about attention and creative thinking and that's what my goal is and so i'm really not trying to do an artistic masterpiece i'm using the art as a tool and like sometimes when i feel this little beastie you know beating on me i will i'll actually just sort of have this little conversation with that voice out loud right um and i, I just have to tell it you know you simmer down over there because i'm over here journaling um and you know I'll, i'm happy to art critique myself when i'm trying to do an art piece but this is nature journaling this is about attention. This is about wonder. This is about creativity and connection with the natural world. And I know that if I do that process using the drawing as one of my tools, I'm guaranteed at getting better and better and better and better at drawing because I'm drawing all the time. Um, totally. And, and so the, yeah, the, the whole drawing thing, it will come, but it's not the horse that's pulling the cart. It's, it's the little caboose that comes along. You get the art skill because you've been drawing a lot. And, mm -hmm. But if you kind of go like, I want the art skill first, then when you do something and you kind of go like, well, that's not as skillful as somebody else's page, then it, it feels yucky and you don't want to do it. And you're thinking, oh, I'm doing it wrong. But 
If you're doing it, you're doing it right. How would you encourage a child who's continually discouraged by their drawings and then they never want to draw because they're discouraged? Yeah. Oh, not just a child. This is true for it. Anyone. Yeah. So for adults Anyone. and children, um, what I do is there's, 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 there's two fundamental things. The first is when I'm teaching nature journaling, I want to be really explicit about what the goals are of nature journaling and then be consistent about reinforcing those things. So when I, both of my daughters have nature journals and when I look through their, their nature journals, I will never say to them, oh honey, that's such a beautiful drawing. I'm so proud of you, honey. That's a gorgeous drawing. What That just looks so lifelike. What a beautiful leaf. Because I've told them that it's not about making a pretty picture. I've told them that we want to use the pictures to help us observe and to notice and ask questions. I still give them positive reinforcement. Um, and so, But I'll sit down with their, their, their artwork and kind of go like, oh, wow, you noticed the way that the, the angle that the leaves... Um, branch off the stem. These things are coming off in little pairs. And look here, you captured that. That's actually specific to this, to this kind of plant. What a great observation. So what I'm doing is I'm reinforcing that they're observing and seeing and documenting that on paper. Instead of that, oh, that is a pretty picture. So I'm looking at um, their observations, or I can look at their, their process. I will go like, oh, honey, you did a side view and a top view on this shell. And that, that shows so much more information. That's a really useful strategy. So I'm looking at their process. I'm looking at their thinking and giving reinforcement about that. And that takes all the pressure off having to make a pretty picture. Now, sometimes my daughters will sit down with me and they'll say, Daddy, I want to look, you know, how do we draw, you know, I, I, I want to draw a fruit bat. Um, how can I draw a fruit bat? And they want, um, in, they, they, they actually want an art lesson. They say, I, this fur doesn't look really furry to me. How do I do that? They're asking me for an art lesson. Now, in the context of art lessons, I look at different art techniques and what is working and what's not working. Um, but as, But that's never a part of our conversation with the nature journals and so key strategy number one is keep your eye on the ball of um of why we're nature journaling we're doing it to connect with nature so anytime there's a good observation on the paper i will reflect that back to them and say yes that's exactly what we want to do we doing as they're writing questions into their journals same thing as they're writing their it reminds me of and putting those in their journals i'm feeding those back to them and saying oh that's really interesting tell me more about that connection oh i see that i hadn't picked that up you're right it's just like elsa's hair and and there we go the other key strategy is that in all parts of their education, I'm looking for opportunities to reinforce a growth mindset. So the idea of a growth mindset is that our brains change their shape and structure 
through the work that we make the brain do. And so when we practice and we study something, we're actually physically changing the structure of our brain. All learning is changing the structure of your brain. And rather than thinking about things as gifts or talents, I never say you're so talented at that. I look at the work that it took to get there. I'm like, wow, there's such a difference in your ability to play that measure of that piece from uh, between this year and or sorry, between uh, you know just just yesterday and today. So the contrast with the the growth mindset is the fixed mindset, and that's the idea of these sort of the oh you're a, you're such a gifted artist, you're such a gifted musician, you've got this skill, this this talent, this thing that you can do that you were somehow given that you didn't earn. And it's yours, and you're this great musician. Well, if you give reinforcement around that, you say, well, but that's that's positive reinforcement. But it actually has a secret stopper in it. And what that is, that if it is a gift that I have, there is a limit to that gift. And I, I tell them that, you know, like, I don't say, like, you're so good at math, right? Because if I do... Well, I'm good at math, but now I'm hitting something and it's difficult for me and I'm struggling. That means I've just found the edge of my good at math. So I don't want to disappoint daddy. I'm going to hide this from him. I, um, if, if you reinforce children with messages of fixed mindset, they are more likely to cheat than students who are reinforced with growth mindset ideas. For if you've got a fixed mindset, then you see somebody's drawing or nature journal page and you go like, wow, that's a much better picture of a pine cone than I could have done. You feel depressed. You feel like, oh, that's so good. Ah, right? When you, when you look at somebody's work and you kind of like, oh, that's so good. It's actually a negative experience for you because what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to them and you're saying, I could never do that. I don't have that skill. And if you're looking at that same thing from a growth mindset perspective, that person is looking at it and going like, oh, wow, that's really cool. What did you do? I want to try that. Right? What's going on here? Um, oh, tell me a little bit more about your practice. Oh, you're doing that five times a day. Whoa, that's real commitment to it. What do you do to kind of keep your focus? You know, it, it totally changes the conversation. So I teach them growth mindset every chance I get. We do it when we you know, play a, 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 a concentration game. We do it when we're working in our journals. We do it when we're look, learning math. We're doing it when we're, we're reading and then kind of recounting to each other what happened in a story. We get better at that with time. And so anything that's an opportunity to kind of show fixed my uh, growth mindset in action um, I just jump on it I'd say between those two things you've got a lot of great great ways to encourage adults and children to put in the work that's going to change the shape of their brain to give them those skills that is amazing it's it's reminds me that it's really important to have the, the parents feedback um, 
and have their mindset be appropriate to the task and you know to know to know that about our nature as human beings that we tend toward wanting that fixed mindset but we have to grow out of it that we have to keep learning and keep ourselves open to new possibilities and yeah teaching that growth mindset if anyone wants to read more about that i think the book is called um is it called mindset yeah by carol dweck yep mine carol dweck is a wonderful read the uh, and um mathematical mindsets um is also another wonderful um uh, uh book on sort of thinking about growth mindset in terms of of math about mathematics uh, mm-hmm. i um, also, uh, that's by Joe Bowler, um, and, um, uh, I think Limitless Mind by Joe, Joe Bowler is also another good, uh, read on the, on the subject. Uh, if you want kind of the quick introduction to it, just sort of sit down and kind of tuck into Carol Dweck's Ted talk on growth mindset. And, um, you'll get a few of the kind of, uh, key points really, really quickly. And then you can expand on it with those other resources. But for us as, 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 as parents, many of us were taught um, when the idea of a fixed mindset, that was the cutting edge of our understanding of neurobiology. We thought that your brain developed through your adolescence somewhere, and then it kind of locked in and you were stuck with what you had. And from that point on, your brain kind of slowly degenerated, depending on how much partying you were doing. But you're kind of <laughs> you know, stuck with what you got. So if, if that's the case, it makes perfect sense to do something like get an IQ test, figure out what your number is, and then kind of like, well, I don't have a big number there. I guess I'd better, you know, go do things for a beta, right? Um, but we now know that that idea it was possible it was interesting it was also totally wrong it's totally wrong it's not the way your brain works your brain's growing throughout your entire life for all of us and more when we push it and we challenge it and if you just sort of sit back in a barca lounger and start surfing netflix your brain will also start pruning branches off the tree um so what you want to be doing and is teaching is to be yourself a lifelong learner and teach that to your kids. They should be seeing you doing the same thing. So I'm, you know, my, my kids, I wanted them to learn Spanish. So I'm taking Spanish lessons. They're taking Spanish lessons. I'm taking Spanish lessons. They're seeing daddy getting better at Spanish and I am I'm learning new skills. There, there should, should be some kind of challenging part of the growth curve that we're we're tackling at all times in our life because because we can, and that makes our brains better. And we're also role modeling to our kids that like, hey, it's not the brain that you were born with; it's the brain that you make that's going to make the difference. So, what are you going to do with yours? So important. Uh, well, speaking of pruning off branches, uh, what do you think are some of the most, um, uh, the best 
benefits to learning how to draw, but specifically drawing nature? What maybe are like the very outspoken and very prominent things, but maybe something that you didn't know initially and is like a byproduct of learning how to draw that you just weren't expecting? Sure. Anything that you choose to journal about is going to be good. Um, when I say nature journaling, um, my definition of nature is the scientific one. Um, it refers to anything in the physical world around me that I can investigate through observation or inference. Um, so even the human built landscape um, and uh, is that is that's part of nature around me. So anything that I see and, and get my, my brain gets curious about, I want to play with that in my journal. When I go into what we normally consider as the natural world, um, that's wonderful because it is also, it has infinite complexity and structure. Um, when I am in somebody's garden, why is that plant over there? Well, it's because Susan planted it there. Um, but if I'm out in nature, why are those over there? There is this whole rich, crazy story behind that that has to do with, you know, plants struggling and dying and, you know, distribution of seeds in the belly of a bird somewhere and all this other crazy stuff that's going on. I can take a microscope and zoom in on any type of a plant and there's a whole new level of crazy structure there. And then I zoom in even more. Boom, there's a whole new structure. I can zoom out and kind of look at patterns in the landscape and why are these on the south sides of the ridge? There is infinite complexity and structure and that is so inspiring and fascinating to be in contact with. So the reason that I love to play in the part of the natural world that's not you know, the, the product of human work and imagination um, is because you come, you come up against all of the, the, the result of the beauty of all of those, those processes together. It's utterly fascinating, endlessly fascinating. I, I, I got a bowl of acorns because I wanted to make acorn bread with my daughters. Um, they were studying California Indians. So uh, during the, our most recent big acorn crop, we collected a huge number of valley oak acorns. And these were sitting around my house. And in addition to you know, the process of shelling them and leaching the tannic acid out of them and, and then figuring out how can we prepare this and, 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 and bake it or put it in soup, I've had these incredible acorns around and, and it's endlessly fascinating. So now I'm finding myself you know, geeking out on the, the shape of the structure of the cap of the acorn and the acorn weevil larvae that are coming out of some of them. And then others are sprouting and there's all these different ways that they sprout. And then the shoots are coming out on some of them. The little roots come down and then the shoot is popping up. So I have this sort of never ending 
fascinating pros uh, project of looking at all these little, they're just acorns, but they're not just acorns. They're these acorns, and they've got all these mysteries and secrets behind them. You could spend your entire life geeking out on acorns. Um, that's because of this sort of incredible structure and complexity of this natural world around us. It's just so amazing. And the, the more that I study it as a scientist, it doesn't take the mystery out of it in any way. As I, you know, will kind of dial in and I'll figure some little piece of it out, kind of like, oh, that's what's going, that's why that is. Like, oh, I understand that. It doesn't remove the mystery because anytime like one little piece gets filled in, I now have been looking at it so much more carefully that I've got 10 other new questions that are even better than the old questions that I was asking. On this planet, you can never be bored. It's not, it's not where you look. It's not having to go to the Serengeti to see something amazing in nature. It's how you look. And you can do that right with that bowl of acorns on the kitchen table. Mm, that's so encouraging. Because I think a lot of times homeschool moms, they just feel defeated by their geographical location if they don't if it doesn't feel like they live in a very exciting exotic place i think a lot of times they don't know how to start a nature journaling process because um it's probably because they just haven't noticed the small things that are around them and um maybe doing some more curiosity would help open their eyes a little bit. That's right. I uh, worked on a, a book on how to teach nature journaling with uh, Emily Ligren. She's a wonderful poet, nature journaler, and um, educator uh, here in California. And one of the things that um, she really shined a great spotlight on is this, this, like, let's be really specific with our definition of, 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 of nature. So, because if people think that you need to go to Yosemite, right? <laughs> or Yellowstone. And there's nature there. And now we're going to bust out our nature journals. Um, you've, you've missed the spider in the window. You have missed um, the, 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 the dead dried up fly on the windowsill. You got that under a microscope and all of a sudden its eye is huge and crazy and you're going nuts. There are little things that are around us all the time. And what we want to do is train ourselves to look deeply into those. And um, so many of the examples which we use in our book on how to teach nature journaling, um, we are using examples of things that are not in overpowering, spectacular, natural environments, um, but are in the vacant lot, in the, uh, in the road cut, in the, uh, the little unmowed area beside the field. There are all of these treasures hiding there. 
And what we have to do is live in a way that lets us see those and experience those. And um, it, yeah, so it, you're right, it does not have to be some spectacular um, natural environment. You want to train yourself in to with with the the common everyday things that the, the what Mary Oliver calls the daily presentations, um, and when you can do that, then if you go to one of these spectacular national parks, you know how to see, you know how to observe, and you will you'll get so much more out of that experience than the person who's just learning how to observe and how to see and how to pay attention. Paying attention is a skill and you get better at it with practice. So is curiosity. So is creativity. Those are all skills that we can practice through nature journaling and we get better and better and better at them. And then when we get to, um, when we get to a place where, wow, there's a moose you are so much better able to make the most of that situation because you have practiced ob observing your house cat. You've, you have, I, I've done, um, you know, we, we just, uh, I, I've recently done, you know, dissections of an ornamental gourd, of a cucumber, of an avocado, of the mini pumpkin from Halloween. And I am analyzing these things and studying them and taking them apart and, and enlarging some parts and kind of documenting how it's structured and all these sorts of things. Now, if because I've done that, you put some other phenomenon in front of me, I have this whole toolkit that I can bring to bear on that experience. Instead of just looking at it going like, wow, that's complex. I wonder how on earth I'd even start. So you can start wherever you are with whatever you have. The tools for entrance are really simple. It can be a pencil, little Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil from school. Um, and uh, just the, the, the simplest little notebook. And you don't need to be in a spectacular place. You just need to be, you need a little bit, I find that it just helps so much to give students some structure and some guidance, some scaffolding as they are starting to do these sorts of exercises. Like, what do I do? Like, if you just say to people, right, here's, there's nature, go nature journal. People look at mm -hmm. you blankly, like, what do I do? So the reason, um, I've, I've just recently started this uh, program called the Nature Journal Connection, where each week I'm producing a 10 to 15 minute video that is going to progressively build all the nature journaling skills. And so you do one one week and there's a little exercise with it. Next week, another little exercise with it. I'm going to do this for 40 weeks. And at the end of that time, any student who goes through that, uh, these are all free videos. The, the program is, is accessible to everybody anywhere in the world. Um, you will have this really diverse set of nature journaling and visual thinking skills that you can apply to whatever it is that you see. That is wonderful. Well, thank you for that resource. That's I know that the couple of videos that I've seen 
have been really great. And I've had my kids watch them. They love it. It was like a game to them to do this curiosity practice with questions. That was one of the videos that we watched. So um, yes, I highly recommend those if you guys want to check that out. That's on YouTube, right? Yep, um, or the easiest way to sort of find the kind of curated collection of them. If you go to my website, which is johnmuirlaws.com, um, there are, there's actually hundreds of hours of free nature journaling and drawing resources that are available there. I've got all these videos on how to do, um, how to, like you want to learn how to draw a mushroom or a bird. I've got a video on that and, um, and, and, and printed text tutorials and resources on it. Um, if you, uh, there's a page, uh, in that, on that there that is devoted to the nature journal connection where I've got curated, you know, episode one, two, three, four, five, six, we just put out number seven. Um, and, uh, where we also, I, I put up, you know, and, and here's the most recent episode. So if you're following along and you're caught up, you can just go there, see the most recent episode. There's a new one every week. Oh, perfect. But they also are available on YouTube. Um, and, uh, this is a project that is I'm doing in collaboration with the Children's Creativity Museum. So you can also find it on their website as well. Oh, okay. Awesome. Children's Creativity Museum and johnmarylaws.com. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up here, maybe one more question. Someone asked, have you ever gotten out of the habit personally yourself of nature journaling? And then how did you get back in? to the habit. Oh, that is such a good question. That's such because everybody, like you see somebody like, oh, you've written a book on how to do nature journaling. So everybody thinks that you've got this, like you've got this perfect practice, but it happens to me too. Um, life gets in the way you get out of the routine, you get out of the habit and you know how habits are. If you're, if you're nature journaling on a regular basis, I will, when I'm kind of in the groove with that, and I'm walking from one room to another in my house. Sometimes I'm just walking around the house and I have my nature journal in my hand. And I'm like, like, oh, like, look at this, the, the, the way that, you know, rainwater is streaking the window. And I'll make some notes about that and try to figure out, like, what process is behind that? What's going on there? And I'll just be, like, geeking out everywhere. And other times, it's just, it's sitting there and it's collecting dust. And I'm thinking, then I start thinking like, oh, I'm a terrible nature journaler. And then I get this, this sort of um, kind of, uh, you, you feel like an imposter because I'm telling everybody you should be nature journaling. And I say to myself, are you nature journaling? And I say, no, I'm not nature journaling right now. And, <laughs> and it feels really yucky. And then because it feels yucky, then you want to get away from it even more. And so you don't want to think about it, you know, even more. and it's, so it just kind of goes in this downward negative spiral. Yeah. So it, it happens to me too. Sometimes like it, it sat there, you know, for months and I haven't picked it up. Or if I'm going to, maybe I'll bring it out because I've got to teach a class. I'm going to go teach a class on how to do nature journaling, how to make it your life. But I haven't been doing it. So um, things that I find kind of, so we're totally creatures of habit. Once it gets into your routine, it's like if you go for a walk every day, it's so easy to get up, get out, and go for your walk. Um, I do, um, I, I, I do uh, exercises every morning, and if I did them yesterday, 
then today it is really easy to go and do that. So something that I know is that by maintaining those habits today, I am creating, making it easier for myself tomorrow to do it. Um, but when I'm out of the routine, how do you get back? <clears throat> A couple things that you can try are to link it to things that you're already doing and also make it really accessible. So I'm going to get my journal stuff out. I'm going to keep it um, out there. I'm not going to make it precious. I don't have to make it a thing to get it out. Like, I'm now nature journaling. I can just make it a little thing. Like, I'm going to just, all I'm going to do today, all I'm going to do to kind of get myself kind of going with that again is I'm just going to, I'm going to make a little note about that moth um, on the page of the thing. I'll kind of get it out and make a little moth note. And just doing that just kind of breaks that book back in. And then it's easier for the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And once you kind of get some momentum going with it, it starts to take care of itself. So I want to have my nature journaling kit accessible. I want to kind of look for people that I um, can, who like nature journaling with me. So if I'm doing this with my family, that's great. So if I'm a homeschooling parent and this is like part of our routine, then it's, oh, it's so great because um, we're, all, we're all doing this together. And it's like, oh, it's nature journaling time. And then you're nature journaling too because you're, you're showing them through your example that this is important to you too. Um, that's a useful way of doing it. Um, also, just sort of be aware that we, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. There are so many things that are, are demanding of our time. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not happening right now, that doesn't mean that you're like, you've got no focus. You're a bad parent or naturalist or bad nature journaler. Um, it's just that, you know, we're doing the best that we can. So just, I like to kind of just forgive myself and just get something plopped down on a page. Don't worry about it being pretty. Keep that stuff accessible. And then sort of see what happens next and happens next and happens next. Another thing that I've found is I've got some nature journaling friends. And um, I can call up one of my buddies and say, hey, Fiona, I'm in a rut. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of cracking my journal out. And, 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 and what should I do? You know, you know, help me get over this. And then there's some accountability. The next time you're talking, she's going to say, like, so how's that journaling going? And you're like, ah, still in a rut. Like, all right, you got it. But there's somebody there that's in conversation. And it's not just, it kind of brings it more forward in your mind. And because of that accountability, you're much more likely to do it. And finally, when COVID clears and we can get together in groups again, doing this with a community is amazing. So if there's a nature journal club that is near where you live, you go to those club meetings with your family and you're out spending the day in nature. Everybody's drawing, sketching, observing, looking at birds, identifying mushrooms, all this sort of crazy stuff going on. Often there's, it depends on, on, on the group, but like the potluck lunches and just there's community, you're meeting other people. 
And you also get to see all these wonderful creative ideas in other people's nature journals. You're like, oh, that's a great way to approach that. That's really neat. I like that. I'm going to try that myself. It, that social interaction in that community really helps you be able to, 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 to do it. So what some people do when they want to get started is they just, they, oh, there's a nature journal club that's near me. Or you can also use as something to prompt you is you can take a, a, a course in nature journaling. Um, and then at the end, and as you do that, because you know, you've, you've paid for this thing, you're more likely to do the, um, the exercises that the teacher is recommending to you. And at the end of that, you've been doing a little bit more nature journaling than you normally do. And the critical thing is if you choose to kind of take a class to motivate yourself, you have to be aware that the most important part of that class is what you do when the class ends. Hmm. Um, because it's, there's two very equally easily accessible paths. And one is to drop right back into the routines that you had before the class when you weren't journaling. And the other is during this class, I've been journaling a lot more. And now I have to be deliberate about in, in, intentionally making that part of how I kind of continue to go forward. Intrinsic motivation. Yeah, you, and, yeah, like. and you have to sort of make yourself sometimes, or sometimes it, it, it feels like, you know, I'm going to make myself do it. It'll kind of, people say like, you know, it just kind of felt like work. Um, like I just, ah, no, it just didn't kind of flow naturally. It's just because we are, we're creatures of habit. And if it wasn't our habit to do it before, it's not our habit now. And to make that, that your habit, you just have to intentionally do it for a few times and then it becomes part of your routine. And once it's part of your routine, then, then there's no stopping you, of course, until the next time you stop, then you just have to start again. And you, you will get out of the routine and don't beat yourself up. Just kind of like, ah, oh, look, I got out of that routine. It was so much more fun when I was in that. All right, now I have to be just intentional for the next week about kind of keeping that journal out, doing things. I want to try to see when I get myself to bust it out and kind of do something in that journal. I'm going to try this week three times. See if I can get something on a page three times. It doesn't have to be a complete page. All right? You can just get, I'm, but I'm going to do something in that journal three times this week. See if you can. Um, but so again, if you take a class, what you want to be looking for is when that class is done, what are you going to do to develop the new habits that are going to keep mm -hmm. this activity regularly something that you're doing? If you do that, that class was worth every penny, no matter what it cost. Well, maybe not. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like a gym membership. It's like a nature journal gym membership. Right. It's a nature journal gym membership. <laughs> Having a class. Yeah. And so you, you do that. But then the class, what you really want to, what you're moving towards is that when that class is over, you want to be kind of moving out with a new set of habits. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a class with, you know, there's a little bit of accountability there. You're going to make yourself show up because you paid for it. All right. When the class yeah. ends, the critical thing is 
just be aware of how easy it is to go back to those old patterns. Danger, danger, warning. No, 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 no. Please don't do that. What you have to do is like, now I'm going to establish these new patterns. This is what I'm going to do. This is going to be our new routines. And it'll feel a little bit awkward at the start. And then, oh, you'll be so glad you did. I agree. Okay. Well, I, I want to ask one more question. And that is... Well, it's because I want to I want to get like a good amount of the phrase geeking out into this <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> so, to hit our quota, I will ask yeah. you what <laughs> what is something that's either related or unrelated to this topic that you are geeking out about right now? Oh, man. Um so let's see. So things that I'm kind of having fun geeking out about sort of conceptually um, uh, the, the Hebbinghaus forgetfulness curve, I think is utterly fascinating. So that's part of my, my kind of, um, scientific neuroscience memory geeking out. I'm looking at how is it that humans forget so much so quickly and what is the kind of the cycles of reinforcement that you can use so that you're not forgetting things. Um, so that's really kind of interesting to me as an educator um, and thinker these days. So I'm, that's part of my um, geeking out. And then um, just in terms of phenomena around the house that I've been playing with in my journal, um, during COVID here, I have been going on these refrigerator safaris. And I have been, you know, cutting up fruits and vegetables from at different angles and looking at the orientations of the structures inside. I've been mapping them, uh, making little diagrams. I've been comparing them. Um, sometimes I've like, you know, my wife will come in and it's like, like, Jack, you just cut open all of our cucumbers. <laughs> this one has different number of chambers in it. Look at this. And, and this one over here, it's got, you know. So, yeah, but, you know, make a big salad and, uh, and you're good. Um, so I, I've been having fun with that. I also got a chunk of salt from a, uh, a, a salt marsh, a big block, a big block of, of oh. crystallized salt. And, um, my daughters and I, we, we boiled that down and turned it into solution and then put strings in it to kind of grow rock salt around the strings. And, but then it did this crazy thing. It, the salt crystals climbed up the string onto the pencil that holds it at the top and then made its way, the salt encrusting out over the pencil down the sides of the glass on the outside and out onto the table like the blob. So it is, the water inside the cup has uses this sort of crystal locomotion to pump itself out of the cup and onto my table. And so it's, what's fun about this is this is this crazy behavior of salt water that I would not have predicted, not have expected. It's totally weird to me. It's like it's got its own personality. And so now what we're going to do is we've just bought a big bag of sugar. We're going to do the same experiment with the same level of saturation with sugar water. And we're going to see, does sugar crystals, do they do the same thing? Um, or do they behave and stay in place? And then what's the, you know, so 
I've got this whole kind of open mystery with salt and salt crystals right now that is is really fun. Um, the vegetable, the, the 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 refrigerator safaris are keeping me really entertained. During COVID, I've been I've been staying pretty close to home, uh, <laughs> but still finding lots of things to get curious about and ways to go deeper with what is already here. There you go. So we have zero excuses. We have zero excuses to be curious, don't we? <laughs> it's an infinitely fascinating world. And, you know, we are just, it is, you know, statistically impossible that we're alive. And here we are. Oh my goodness. What a joy. What a delight. Somehow, you know, we won the lottery. Um, and, and, and here you are, you're a sentient being on this planet with a wonderful array of senses. And then you can enhance that by putting a nature journal in your hand. Just go nuts. You're alive. What are you going to do with your mind and imagination today? Here we are. Let's make the most of it. And on that note, thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you, Jack, for joining me and having this wonderful discussion. I learned so much. I hope everyone out out there learned um, something new, something that they will use in their home and in their life and in their lifestyle to become more curious, creative, and more fascinated with the world that we live in. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time with me today. Tell us it was a delight to come out and join you. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Many thanks to Jack Laws for this conversation. And really, thank you, listener. Thanks for sticking around for four years to learn from me. I learn a lot from you too. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, contact me at bestowingthebrush.com slash contact. Check out my courses while you're there and use that awesome discount code this week. Watch some sample videos there on my website. And you can also follow me on Instagram at bestowing the brush. I also have short and long form video content on YouTube, but there won't be any fresh content up there until, uh, 2022. (laughs) Not sure. Uh, recently I found out that I am in fact, not superwoman. So (laughs) the best place actually to hear from me is my newsletter. It's called the Brush Club Newsletter, and there I give you content early, any and all bestowing the brush news, drawing lesson ideas, and I tell you about neat stuff that I'm researching. So the front page of my website has that sign up. Put your email there, and I'll see you in your inbox. Okay, until you hear from me again, folks, happy drawing. Bye-bye.